Welcome to the York Story Slam podcast, where we feature select stories from our monthly open mic storytelling events in York, Pennsylvania. On September 21st, seven storytellers shared their stories with our audience for our virtual slam. The theme for our September Story Slam was homesick. We heard stories about missing home, redefining one's sense of home, and one about staying homesick from school. In the end, our winner was Sarah Chain, who shared her story about saying goodbye to her grandparents' home. Here's Sarah. My pap uh, was one of the most stubborn people that I have known. Uh, Glenn Wayne Knight lived almost all or maybe all of his 90 years in Greene County, Pennsylvania, uh, and you could just not tell him anything. And so it's not altogether surprising that at 90 years old, um, he was unloading a tiller from the back of his pickup truck by himself. Uh, his blue pickup, Arnold, uh, license plate, whoa, GW, whoa, Glenn Wayne. Um, but he was unloading it by himself and he fell. And he ended up in the hospital and then the nursing home for rehab. And he ended up with COVID and he passed away in December. And that is how I found myself making the drive across the state to Greene County uh, this spring to take a walk through my grandparents' home uh, and help my aunt and my mom where I could um, as they set up for the estate sale and plan to sell the house. Um, My grandma was on a wait list for memory care, and she couldn't take care of the home by herself, couldn't stay there by herself. And I remember driving into their driveway uh, and parking my car right behind Arnold, ready for the estate auction, Uh, coming past the front walk where I, as a freshman in high school, asked my mom to help me dye my hair for the first time. Uh, but we were kicked out of the house uh, into the front yard in like dusk after my mom put my brother to bed. So my grandma uh, was worried we would stain the sink or stain the bathroom. So the sidewalk where we dumped a pail of water over my head to dye my hair. And I came in, so I parked, I came in through the basement, through the garage, um, all the areas that were set up for auction, but also all the areas that used to be a staging space for my pap's um, post-retirement plans. He would buy and sell at auction, mostly old tools, um, other uh, older items, some circus paraphernalia he could never unload was all being kind of divided for, um, for the auction. And it wasn't until I climbed the stairs from the basement up to the kitchen Um, that I started to cry, uh, which really threw Sherry and Ray, the auction people, for a loop as I kind of blubbered on. Um, But for me, it wasn't about, you know, the walkway or the basement. Uh, It was about the juice glass that was still on the kitchen windowsill. And it was about the futon marked for auction in the guest bedroom, the awful, uncomfortable futon that my sister and I slept on every Christmas, uh, trying to catch a few more hours of shut eye before my brother jumped on our heads and told us Santa was here. Uh, It was the deer still on the wall that 
myself, a child of suburban Connecticut, truly thought was just a deer until I was 12 uh, and realized it was real. It had been alive at some point. Uh, and I had been hoisted up to pet it, you know, since I was a child. It was about all these things coming together for the memories that surprised me, surprised me to feel homesick for a place that wasn't my home. Um, and I took my time walking through these rooms, uh, saw they had moved the recycling bin and burst into tears all over again, um, but was able to walk away from that day with memories um, and with a couple items, with a bench from my grandparents' patio that we repainted and uh, put plants on outside our, our patio now, uh, the mug that my pap drank his English breakfast tea from, um, a voicemail that I had forgotten and now don't want to delete, um, as well as the time that I have left with my grandma, even if she doesn't always know who I am. I also left with the uh, recommendation that on auction preview and pickup day, that I spend a little time with my grandma and leave the customer interactions to someone who was less emotionally invested in the items. Sarah earned a spot in our Grand Slam in November. Next up, we have Thaddeus Abbott, who shares about finding an answer to the complicated question, where are you from? Here's Thaddeus. So, where are you from? That's a, a common question that gets asked a lot in conversations when you first meet somebody. And it's one I've been asked a lot. It's kind of a dangerous question, too, if you think about it. But when it when I'm asked and, and I think about it, I think about, you know, where are you from? Where's, where's home? Um, you know, where do you reside? Where do you originate? Where is your point of origin. And when I think of the flip side of that question, I think about where would you go if you were going home? Um, it's where you from home. And when I get asked this question, I don't have an answer. I freeze. I, it perplexes me. You know, where are you from? It perplexes me. I, I hit this state of hesitation. And it really throws conversations off because normally someone would be like, hey, where are you from? Well, I'm from the Bronx. And the conversation keeps going and you get to know each other. But I usually answer with something like, um, well, I'm not from anywhere or I don't really know where I'm from. And there's a reason to that because, you see, I was, I was born in England. And uh, that's where my dad's from. Uh, my mom went over there. She's from the States as a teenager, met my dad, and they kind of walked hand on hand, hand in hand on a journey for a while. And while that journey came, I came along. About three or four months into that, they moved to Boston, outside Boston, a little town called Rockville. And from there to a town called Middleborough, which is where my sister joined the journey. And I went to a town called Carver, where my other sister joined the journey. And um, at, so we were about, that was about 2012. And then we moved to Pennsylvania, Westchester, PA. And I got, well, I got razzed a good bit when I moved to Westchester, PA, too, because I had this Massachusetts accent the whole way. Park the car. We could... Don't be a wicked asshole, all that stuff. And um, in Westchester, I spent my middle school and high school years there. And if you would ask my sisters where they are from, they would answer Westchester. Though I don't have that response. Um, you know, from Westchester, I end up 
uh, going to Columbus, Ohio, and kind of pursuing a, a college education, which really turned out to be more of a social miseducation. Um, and then I, I came back. Um, and when I came back, my parents weren't in Westchester anymore. They were in Exton. And that feeling's kind of stuck with me, that feeling where I haven't had anywhere to come back to. Um, you know, so from Columbus to, to instead of going back to Westchester, I went and I didn't go back to Exton, I went to Millersville. And then from Millersville, went to Lancaster. From Lancaster, I went to Albuquerque, New Mexico. From there, Reisterstown, Maryland. And then from Reisterstown, Maryland, I went to, um, oh, I went to, to Hanover. Um, and then I went kind of back towards Lancaster. And then East Pete was in there somewhere for a little bit. And eventually I made my way here to York and I've been to New York now for, for 16 years. Uh, and, you know, I think about this and as long as I've been anywhere and, I, I'm, and I'm, and I'm excited that my, my children have a place that they, you know, if I ask my children now, where are you from? They would say, I'm from York, Pennsylvania. And, and I'm, I like the fact that, I have a place to reside here in New York. And I, I like the fact that I, my children would say they're from here. And, you know, there's a saying out there, you know, home is where the heart is. And I don't know if I completely agree with it, though. When I when I start to think about, you know, for me, I, I still don't necessarily consider your home, but I, I I've, I've learned to discover that I have many homes. I have I have a home in England. I have a home on the Isle of Wight where my dad is now. I have a home in Oakland, California, where my sister is. I have a home in Clearwater, Florida, where my mom is. A home in St. Pete, Florida, where my other sister is now. I have, I have, uh, I have a home in Columbus, Ohio, where some dear friends reside. I have, I have uh, a couple other homes in England, um, some family. I have, I have a, a couple homes in Tennessee. I have a home in Vermont. I've never visited. I, I have a home in Colorado. Uh, a couple other homes in Albuquerque, home in Texas. And I have now have quite a few nice homes here in York. And what is comforting to me is I know that if I'm ever feeling sick and I need a home, I can find one. And, and I hope that the ones that, that I love realize that if they ever feel homesick, that they can find my door. Our final story on this month's podcast comes from Joanna Kopinitz. Joanna shares her story about traditions around food and how she brought some of them with her when she immigrated to the United States. Here's Joanna. My story is going to be about food. So, <laughs> so for those of you who probably realize that I'm not from here, I'm last name, well, my original name is Jan Agnieszka Kolaszynski. I'm from Poland. My parents and my little brother and I immigrated here in the 80s. And um, I have two homes. And we follow the traditions of our Polish traditions, even though I've lived here since my early childhood. We speak Polish at home. We celebrate Christmas, we give you our Christmas Eve. We celebrate Polish traditions and American traditions, which is wonderful. But as I've gotten older, I realized that it's, I miss both when I met the other ones. And it has a lot to do with food, mainly. So we eat weird stuff. We really do. If you're ever in Poland, we have fantastic food. We've got pierogi. 
the next person is just pierogies to me or whatever you guys say here in the United States is going to get slapped because I spent 10 minutes in a Walmart trying to find pierogies. I kept saying, I'm looking for the pierogi. And the lady's looking at me and I'm like, pierogi. And she's just like, whatever. And she finally takes me, she goes, you mean pierogies? I'm like, what the hell is a pierogi? But I'm so, yeah, I know you guys know what they are. Like Gawamski, which are the stuffed cabbage, which some of you call halluskis. No, please don't do that to me. Just don't. But for me, homesick has to do with food. And um, so uh, one of the things that I, I always remember is when we first moved here, my father would go to the Polish market on Fleet Street in Baltimore. And for Yigiria Christmas Eve, it was non-meat. So you had mainly cabbage, you had fish, you had um, sauerkraut, all of that. And it was 11 courses. So you had to come up with 11 courses that did not have meat in them. So one of the things that we would do is get a live carp. And that live carp would live in our bathroom, in the bathtub, for two days before Christmas Eve. But I forgot to tell my friends who are American when they come over, if there's something in my bathtub, it's okay. Well, I have a friend coming over. She goes to the bathroom, comes screaming out because she can't see that the um, shower curtain is closed. And she's just like, there's something moving in the bathroom. And I'm like, oh, how do I explain this to this poor girl? So, yeah, I have to go and show her. She's like, what, you're going to kill that? And I'm like, what do you think fish is? What, what do you She's like, what fish sticks? They just make them. And I'm like, no. It's okay. It's okay. You keep thinking the fish sticks are like that. We'll just keep it that way. And my other favorite American memory of food is the first time my mother tried to make me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So I got bullied a lot in school, mainly because of my accent, my deafness, and can't tell I wear a cochlear implant and I have a hearing aid. And I don't know what is happening in my ear there. But um, so I got bored a lot. It was terrible. And so one day my mom decided to try to be more American and make me a peanut butter and soy sandwich. To this day, I have no idea how she did this. I opened my lunch bag, and this is the 80s, and there is this glob of purple mush in a bag. And my mom says I came home, I dropped the glob on the table, and I said, don't ever make whatever that is. Apparently, my mom took the bread. Then the peanut butter, no, the bread, then the jelly, and the peanut butter in the middle. I don't even know how she got the peanut butter to stay in the middle. So, of course, this all like globs together, and there was this beautiful purple glob for me to eat for my lunch, which it took me, I kid you not, 40 years to eat a real peanut butter sandwich. And that is because when I got my implant, all of a sudden, I started loving peanut butter. Up until then, I could not even look at peanut butter. And now it's everything is peanut butter. And I'm like, peanut butter? And my husband is a little scared because he's like, I, what happened? There's this obsession of peanut butter we've never seen before. Even my best friend is like, yeah, your peanut butter obsession is a little rough right now. But fun fact for you guys, Nutella, we had it before you did for 20 plus years. I used to have to beg my mother to buy this little jar for like nine bucks in the 80s in the Polish store. 
And now suddenly everybody here is like, Nutella. And I'm like, you guys suck. Because when I was younger, I was deprived of my peanut butter, which is Nutella. So my story is a little bit more about, you know, how it is for us with different foods and just the cultures and how different it is. And of course, everybody's food stories are tied to their culture. I hope that made you smile a little bit. The stories are gorgeous, but I needed to share my peanut butter disaster story and the live card and uh, you guys hijacked Nutella from me. So thank you so much. All the winners from this year's Open Mic Story Slam events will return to compete for the title of Best Storyteller in York at our Grand Slam event in November. Updates on our events are available on our website, yorkstoryslam.com. While you're there, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook and watch videos of all the stories from our events on our YouTube channel. A big thank you to our 2021 sponsor, KBG Injury Law, whose generous support is making this season possible. We hope to see you virtually or on stage soon. Thanks for listening. This Story Slam podcast is produced by Carla Wilson of Wilson Media Services. Theme music composed and performed by David Wilson. You can learn more at wilsonmediaservices.com.